All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm here with my wingman, Calvin, Carl Sein Jung. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're here with Katya, as always. And uh, we have a special guest on uh, Kiefer's joining the podcast again. Welcome back, Kiefer. Hello. And we are talking about Top Gun, and this is a compare and contrast with Top Gun Maverick. So Top Gun came out in 86. Top Gun Maverick just came out this year, 2002, uh, 2022. And uh, the first one's directed by Tony Scott. The newest one's uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be kind of interesting to compare and contrast these because I think it's a, it's a sequel. It's not a reboot or anything like that, but they're, they seem like pretty different movies to me. Yeah. And I mean, so I think we'll it's important that. to compare and contrast because literally, I mean, that's what they're doing. They're right, com- right. They're, they're comparing like what it came from to like what it is and playing off of nostalgia. So I think it, it, fits, it fits into that. I don't think you can talk about talk about maverick without talking about top gun anyways sure for sure uh so i'm gonna give you the budget for the for top gun maverick and then i want you to guess what the budget for top gun was so top gun maverick had a budget of 170 million what do you think top gun's budget was remember it came out in 86 um i would say budget for that one was probably like i don't know 75 100 okay what's your guess calvin gonna go with 15 million you looked it up there's no way yeah i looked that up (laughs) there's no way you would guess that yeah yeah, it it makes sense because all of those shots are stock there's there's i don't think that they really collect a lot of uh i what i mean is i don't think that they did very many days of shooting of real planes i think well i think that was doing real things that they were not doing real things the characters were actually doing right i think that was probably like three four days of shooting it maybe was a whole week of the whole shooting schedule it was more than that they did yeah it was probably an amount of filming watching a bunch of planes fly around but there is a significant amount of the movie that's spent filming in like a fuselage like a projector behind them and a front projector to get like that reflection on the on the cockpit glass uh there's a lot of shots uh that were collected by a, a a stunt um aviator who actually passed away during the filming of this his plane crashed when he was doing a spin so oh gosh. Uh, yeah so a lot of the the footage that ends up being on the projector was collected by like a different like stunt flyer who's not using a jet because it would just not be economical to collect it that way yeah i did find an article that said it cost the production eleven thousand dollars an hour for top gun maverick to fly a jet so oh, that wow. was the yeah. most expensive it re- they wanted the the buzziest uh, oh, okay, price okay. it ranged uh it, it wasn't always up to, uh eleven thousand dollars but it was up to that depending on but the i mean like the flight schedule even still that sounds that sounds reasonable though because you like just knowing that the, the like the navy prices a a flight hour on the gas, but also on like the maintenance time that goes into like maintaining all of that stuff too. So like, we should also, not we should just, also introduce yeah. you further. Sorry, I'll, I'll yeah. save it for no, later. No, we, I'll save it for later. That doesn't sound unreasonable to me for an F-18 yeah. to cost $11,000 an hour. That doesn't sound unreasonable to me. No, I'm just saying we should introduce you further. You're currently active duty in the Navy. <laughs> you've been on a carrier. You've been on destroyers. That is what the room... You've been on deployments. <laughs> That's it. And you're also, I mean, you are an aviator. Uh, I mean, I know you do uh, You do helos instead of, uh, instead of jets, but you're a part of that community. So... You've got I, some cred. Yeah. When you say that, when you, when you, when you quote me prices on jet fuel, I, I would tend to believe <laughs> What's the price of jet fuel? Right I, I, now? Yeah. No, that, that's like a, an F-18 can hold more fuel than my aircraft weighs, than my helicopter weighs. Wow. It, that's, it's like. That's a great fun fact. It's crazy. It, so it's crazy. Do they also factor in um, like the salary of the pilot as well into the, the cost of it? I don't think so, be, because that's already been budgeted by the Navy in general. It's not like it's not like the pilots are being like, hey, they're being told, hey, you need to come do this, they're and not- we're going to give you money. It's part of their job already anyway. Yeah. Like we're all salary employees. It, it's that the the budget for paying people who are enlisted is already factored in. That there's yeah. no reason why they would. Well, so they, the there's no reason I, why they would increase the amount just like to give the pilot bonus. a bonus or anything. I don't yeah. think that's a thing. Yeah, well, I would say I would say the the only reason I ask that is because it's taking productive hours away from something else that they can be doing. That's when I when I price something for work. That's, yeah, but, that's our like, assumption. Is just, that, I mean, like but, that's how much they cost because they're not doing something. Productive but there's all now. kinds of there's all kinds of jobs that those pilots could the time that is not necessarily important. Like any pilot who is actually flying those aircraft isn't necessarily somebody who's at a squadron, like on a carrier deployed around like iran oh, you know what i mean like so, those pilots could be in in hawaii teaching you know being 
paid or something and they got pulled to go do this because they were a really good pilot like so that eleven thousand dollar number that eleven thousand dollar number is if they were not already scheduled for a training exercise I would assume so. Yeah, that's I, that, no, that's, that that, that's from the article. That eleven thousand uh, dollar, like if they already had a training exercise scheduled, they didn't charge them. Oh, okay. I just I, and, and that I would be true because like the, the training exercises and, require okay. like you to schedule ranges and and things like that, and sometimes that takes extra manpower um, managed by uh, civilians too and contractors. So then that might add to the actual cost of doing things. Is if like civilian contractors who manage like fighting ranges and things like that get involved, I would think. So I have another fun fact. This, this episode is going to be chock full of them because, because Top Gun came out so long ago and there's just so much information on it. I watched like a three hour documentary of like all this behind the scenes stuff. So Tony Scott, they got like four days to film on a carrier. That's where you get all those shots. It's just four days. And they were on this heading and he was like, this is perfect. I'm going to get the shot. The lighting's just right. And then they, the carrier changed its heading and he freaked out. He's like, no, 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 like my light, my light. And so he was like, what do I have to do to change the course? And it ended up being like, it would cost $2,500 in fuel wow. to, to change it back. So he went and wrote a check. And apparently that the story is he said he took it to the bridge, gave it to the captain and they changed the course back to its original heading. And then he got, he needed like five more minutes. And so it cost him $2,500 to get five more minutes of footage. Yeah. And, but he changed the direction of an aircraft carrier. So that's like, he said, like, that's my cool story from this film. <laughs> that's amazing. That's my, that's my cool story. Which in like the grand scheme of things is it, it wasn't, it probably wasn't the captain of the carrier who changed the course. It was probably some like ensign who was the officer of the deck told the coxswain to turn or whatever. It's like, it's some, Keep some saying a lot of words. ensign who's... <laughs> Who's who's four months out of the academy or something like that with like jack shit for experience? You know Either what I way, mean? It wasn't just, the captain of the ship who did this. It was just some jabroni like <laughs> who's just doing his job, just like turning to keep the seas from messing with the ship or something. You know, something benign. It's <laughs> it's not like dolphin. the CEO of the ship was trying to sabotage his yeah. cinematography shot. Still a cool story. Uh, another thing is uh, <laughs> Rick Rosovic, who plays Slider, which is uh, Iceman's. Um, his co-pilot, mm -hmm. he was actually kicked off the carrier. The captain like sent him off. Uh, he apparently he I, he got drunk or something. Went into one of the one of the officers' berthings and slept in his bed. <laughs> and when the officer came back and he was like, "You need to get out," he pretty much just told him to screw off. And so he got a warning for that. And then another time he was just like fooling around and, and the captain oh, wow. had enough and he was like, you're done. And so he got flown off the carrier. Wow. <laughs> and they were only there for four days. <laughs> they were there for four. Yeah, exactly. Like how do you so he didn't even four complete, days? He got, he got flown off on like the third day. So he didn't even complete filming. Like, on it, it. It, it, it makes you wonder how people can be underway for like 65 days without yeah. seeing a port and somehow manage to not get in trouble doing stupid things like drinking drink all the rum. that's ridiculous yeah they're drinking the a rum. clown they're pulling up fish <laughs> okay so we, we've gotten away from it a little bit but let's get uh let's get first impressions of this uh calvin what do you think of this uh like comparing comparing both of these movies like blend your impression of them together so i would say <laughs> that my first impression of top gun maverick is similar to the experience of doing a, a paint by numbers picture <laughs> like like the shape is there and you just we're just waiting to see what kind of colors they fill in. But I feel like that's also a little bit disingenuous because I feel like the creative license allowed by the art form of paint by numbers is a little bit more open than this movie. <laughs> wow. Glowing review. So I, I'm so crayon. confused about what you're saying with that analogy. <laughs> He's saying. Like, well, it's like something as formulaic as paint by numbers is still more creative than this movie is. Is that what you're like, saying? Like, are you saying, are you saying that the movie was like predictable? In, yeah. In, in such a, in such an unhealthfully boring way. Yes. Of saying, okay, okay. Cool. No, I get that. I, I, I could, I could tend to agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I would call this one of the most soulless remakes I've ever seen and the worst wow. movie going experience I've had in the last like five or six but, years. But it's not a remake. It's not a remake. It's like a half yeah, and half. Sequel, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like 2016 Ghostbusters was a remake. It wasn't a sequel. I would call this a rehash then. I mean, rehash even feels like a little bit generous for this. 
they all but, fall in the same vein, whether it's a sequel or a reboot or a soft reboot, whatever it is. The, the intention all in the is, same vein. The, yeah, the intention is There's to no make way money that a off reboot of reboot and a sequel are in the same vein. One well, is a complete retelling and one is a continuation. They're completely different things. Well, the <laughs> thing is, is like it's it's you're you're capitalizing on uh, some uh, property that already exists, and that's that's really isn't, why they're isn't in the that same what vein. everything in the in the history of ever does is capitalizes on you gotta something go that's see already men. there. You got to go see men. Yeah, that's man, my God, is that original? <laughs> I, I, yeah, in some ways, yeah. There's no, there's no new stories, but the the express purpose is like, hey, you remember this awesome movie that came out? Guess what? We're gonna, we're, we want to capture all of that magic and redo it, rather than like, it's not even like they want to give different wrinkles to the story. They just want to use all of the same plot points and then just kind of. But like that's like new. That's like angles. saying that a, a brand new roller coaster at a theme park isn't allowed to be the best roller coaster on the planet simply because it's a roller coaster and there's been roller coasters before. So you you're saying compare, this you is the comp- best movie on the planet. Also, there was a Top Gun roller coaster at Six Flags Great America <laughs> oh my after God. the 1986 one, by the oh, way, guys. Okay. So I'm just saying like to, to say that because there's other things that have come before it, that it's a derivative from takes away from its like quality. I, I, well, it's, it's a specific derivative. You know, it's it's not like they're taking influence from the idea of storytelling in general. It's that they're trying to take from the idea of storytelling of this specific of this specific story. And oh no, not absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this movie, the movie was neither movie was meant to be a great story. It was meant to be awesome to watch. It was meant to be fun to participate in. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. meant to be. And I think the, some mind blowing like Quentin Tarantino twist at the end kind of like gut-wrenching story. I think the point that Calvin's trying to make more is whether it's a reboot, soft reboot, or a sequel, you're still trying to capitalize on the same audience no matter what, and that's why they all feel the same. It doesn't matter if it's 30 years later or if it's if it's a like prequel you said prequel or a sequel or a remake or a Ghostbusters yeah remake yeah it's still you're still trying to get that nostalgic audience to feel some way and go see your movie yeah that's why they all feel the same it's I, like making a new flavor of Mountain Dew like I'm still selling to the same audience and I'm not making yeah. you know like Pepsi yeah <laughs> but no I, I get that I felt the same way watching this is like yeah and so then I would go into like my first impression of it is I knew this movie was blockbuster trashy popcorn movie and i knew it sucked the whole time i was watching it but i loved it i absolutely loved it it was schlock bullshit and it made me feel a way and 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 i hated that it did that because because we've watched so many like really original like indie movies and like these really small budget movies with like really creative directors and none of them got me feeling quite the same way this one did like i got mm-hmm. a little, i got a little choked up at some points in this movie Dude. and it reminded me of what you said calvin when we um, talked about ready player one mm. where you get all that that final battle and you're seeing all these characters that you know and love from all these video games and other properties that you've enjoyed growing up and you're like you're like my body reacted i got goosebumps and you're like i hate this because i <laughs> shouldn't be feeling this way but this movie's making me feel this way that's how i felt watching top gun maverick i was like i know this isn't very good and i know it's not original and I know I've seen better movies than this, but like I got choked up watching parts of this one. So that, that would be like my impression of, of Top Gun Maverick is it's not anything special, but because I have such a connection to the first one, it made me feel away in this one. Mm. Yeah, dude, I think I watched all the people coming out after Cal- when Calvin was going to the bathroom and I just loved seeing one who was there. It was just like so many guys. There was a lot of attractive men there too. I won't lie. Just kind of like <laughs> swaggering out of the theater, just like smiling so oh, yeah. big, which leads me into my first impressions is that I finally see the penises everywhere. Like I finally, you, you know, you guys are oh, always yeah. saying that there's penises in every movie. Yes. So, <laughs> so much phallic so much. power going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they just really turned down the gayness in this movie dude, from yeah. the 86 one. And it's still pretty, pretty, you know. We'll talk about that later. That's my favorite. That's for me. If we talk about getting hard-ons later, (laughs) I'll say that the only time I even got like a semi lady hard-on was that the when they played the shot again of Iceman doing his little like sex bite. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like at Tom Cruise. Like, okay, I can see that. (laughs) You're like, I like uh, this movie now. (laughs) I you know, I didn't I didn't hate it. Um I got a little bit over whelmed by it at the end i think for it's always one of those things where i see big movies but i've never like been in a plane like that so i don't it doesn't feel real to me even though it's like yeah it was all filmed like from a from a plane the first one and the second one 
none of it felt like real flying to me mm-hmm. just because I, I guess I don't, I don't know what it feels like. And it's, it doesn't, I don't understand how difficult it is. So that for me is like, I try to really like it and get into it, but I just don't know how re- I don't have that connection. I have no right. emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I kind of get why you don't have a, the emotional connection to it. Like I did to me, this is like one of those quintessential dad movies from the eighties. The same with like Blade Runner. Where I'm sure, like, Calvin, I'm sure your dad was, I'm sure he liked Top Gun, right? I don't know. Oh, you know? I mean, I've never, I didn't see Top Gun until after I'd seen Maverick. Oh, really? Yeah. We no, watched, oh, we my watched, God. Watched him backwards. Okay, yeah, you may say that, but oh, my gosh, is Top Gun so much better Calvin than Maverick? Calvin liked Top Gun. I, all right, so, Kiefer, give us your first impression of Top Gun Maverick. I... I love I loved it. I loved it as like an an experience, right? Like I I didn't go into it expecting the story to like knock my socks off. I expected it to go in and be extremely fun to be a part of, and that's exactly what I got. Like I thought it was so much fun to watch. It didn't matter to me that there were like cringy parts like how much of an asshole Hangman was or like I, I don't know, like the, the romance part with Penny, who's a new character or whatever, like uh, th- that stuff was like so far in my peripheral. It didn't even really matter to me because I just I just let the movie happen to me. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and I got exactly what it what it was trying to get, you know, which was just a bunch of fun. I, I, I thought it was awesome. I loved watching it. Like like it was like you were saying, like uh holding holding back tears like three or four times like not because it was sad of course, the movie's not sad per mm-hmm. se like there's some mm-hmm. there's some like dramatic parts there's some serious parts you know but like the movie's not sad it's not trying to get that reaction out of you but it's like anybody who's willing to set aside the storytelling aspects of it and just let the movie happen will will absolutely have a blast watching it that's exactly what i did i didn't care about the story necessarily i wasn't critical about any parts like that it was just letting it all happen to me you know what i mean and it was i thought it was awesome it was it was the the sounds of of the jets flying around that that stuff that kind of stuff is always awesome you know what i mean like yeah, I being to, around I f-18s this. is it that kind of thing is just yeah. always awesome i knew i had to the, go see this in that, the dolby sorry go ahead theater because I was like, I know the sound is going to be awesome. So there was a standard one, and I was like, I'm not seeing this in standard. I got to see it. No, like, it my so only good. bummer is that, like, I saw it in the theater on base, and it's a really tiny building oh, yeah. instead of, like, going and seeing it in IMAX. Like, I, I would 100% go and watch this in IMAX if I could. Do they still yeah. do they still play the national anthem before movies on base? They actually do, and it totally yeah. caught me off guard. I didn't even realize that. And then I found out that one of the one of the chicks I know from one of the other helicopter squadrons is, like, in the very beginning of it, I was like, oh my God, I know her. Whoa. Oh, no way. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so I have a question then that can kind of blend both these movies together and start to compare them. So uh, one of the writers flew in an F-14 prior to uh, writing the screenplay for it. And he talked about how physically demanding it was to be in the cockpit with these pilots. And he said he, he really just started to view them as athletes. And so as he was writing the movie, uh, this is for the original Top Gun, he was like, I want to make this a sports movie, not a war movie. And so I want to know, mm. which I think is the best way to describe this, because after rewatching Top Gun, I was like, this is exactly a sports movie. It's to show how hyper competitive these guys are, willing to do whatever they can to push themselves to the limit. Everybody's sweaty. Yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> They're really sweaty. So does, does Top Gun Maverick capture that same feeling or is it a different kind of movie? It's mm. wildly different. It's so different. I can't even begin to tell you like... Um, yeah, like you said, like some of the humor feels like Marvel. Um, it feels like a more serious type Marvel movie with like some uh, some attempts at at bad humor, um, some attempts at uh, like the the gravity of the situation of their mission, which is all just yeah. pretense for drama. But they um, had a mission, which was great to have a mission. I suppose, but if you're if you're looking for the drama, if you're trying to capture the map the magic that was the original Top Gun. I you did, the the this screenwriter didn't understand what made the first one so much fun, what made it so great, because we spend way too much time on a story that sucks. 
Um, I wanted way more jet fighting, way more uh, camera work, way more awesome stuff like that. Because like you're saying, like if you just suspend your disbelief or like just the, suspend your distraction of the story, this movie is actually pretty sweet um, because it's not trying to be anything. But the problem is the story tries to be something and tries to be uh, a completion of a story that already was finished in the first movie. Like it, why we why we care about Rooster at all is confusing because he made peace with Goose's death when he threw the dog tags into the sea at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, but it's not that simple, Calvin. But they wanted to make yeah, it so it's, simple in the first movie, and they, so to yeah. rehash it here it is the so 80s. confusing. But it's, it's it's Tom Cruise. It's 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 Maverick making peace with Goose's death. It's not the whole point of the Rooster thing is that like it's the Maverick and Rooster relationship. Like Maverick's made peace with with goose and that's the whole thing but now you have this third part that he has to deal this this third thing that he has to deal with or the second thing that he has to deal with you know what i mean like Daddy. it's it's just because he's like Daddy. come to terms with <laughs> hi baby just because he's come to terms with goose's death doesn't mean that like the whole rooster thing doesn't matter anymore well but there's a part where when he meets with Iceman and he tells him to let it go it sounds like Maverick is still holding on to whatever. Well, whatever pain it's because from death, I guess so. part of it was because he feels responsible to Goose yeah. to help keep his son out of danger. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. Yeah, I never. What I, in this second one, I didn't really get. Yeah, a lot of tension between, like, yeah, Goose and Maverick or whatever. And it seemed like the biggest issue with Rooster was that Rooster was mad that Maverick pulled his papers. Like we could assume they might have had a good relationship. <laughs> And, and that, like, so right off the papers. bat, like, now that you bring that up, because that's something that I was going to wait until somebody brought it up. Yeah. That's not a real thing. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. Like, can't do I, that as a captain. I know, <laughs> yeah. no, like, I know somebody who um, got accepted to OCS, right? Like, officer candidate school to go and be, and go and get commissioned as an officer. He got in trouble um, because he was roommates with a guy. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter what his roommate did, but because he was roommates with this guy who got in trouble, the CO tried wrangling him up into this whole problem because he was roommates with the guy who was in trouble. And they were saying, well, you were roommates with him. You must have known that this was going on. How did you not say anything? And trying to um, basically pull his, uh, she tried pulling her uh, CO's recommendation for his like OCS acceptance package or whatever to try to get his OCS acceptance pulled and he ended up going to like the the jag right like the legal people and they're like no you can't do like she can't do that that's not a thing so there's no way like yeah like some of the you know the officers might be like buddy buddy with people but there's like processes in place that 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 situation would never happen you you can't do that like but it's Maverick, Maverick has no say yeah. in but who gets accepted to the Naval Academy. That's he just not a thing. He could have snuck in. Like, yeah. he probably snuck in and legit just took his... Well, he's paper. got all of his Mission Impossible training, so... Yeah. Oh, so, true. speaking of things that aren't real, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer was the producer on the first Top Gun and this Top Gun as well. Mm -hmm. And he talked a lot about, uh, this is for mom and pop in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's how he described the audience. It's for, you know, mom and pop going to see the movie and, like, kind of your... It sounds like a really nice way of saying, like, the simple movie gover to describe them as Oklahoma. And so so I think lines like that and scenes like that are, are built in for, like, that kind of audience. So, like, another thing that got added in is uh, there's no Top Gun trophy. That, that, oh. that doesn't exist. Uh, uh, this yeah, because they got to they make a sports movie. Yeah. Oh, that is Got to win something. Yeah, yeah that's sporty. So um, this uh, Rear Admiral Pete Pettigrew was the technical uh, advisor for Top Gun. And so he would basically tell the writers and director, like, hey, this would never happen. Like, no one does this. And then the writers and directors would be like, well, but we need to make a movie for mom and pop in Oklahoma. <laughs> and so the, the scenes with, like, uh, you know, we pulled his papers or, you know, like, like buzzing the tower, yeah. stuff like that. Like, yeah. that's for a fun movie. It's not for, uh, it's not for like, Name really specific. telling what happens to these pilots and stuff like that. So I get why they it's, do it's, that. It's got to be a fun But it's a matter movie. of whether or not you hold that stuff against the movie or not. Like, I yeah. accept that there's probably, like, a half a dozen things I know that make that movie completely impossible and ridiculous. Yeah. Like but it's him. whether or not you hold it against the movie. <laughs> so yeah. the, the pilot that buzzed the tower or whatever, so they, they do that on a real base, you know, that actually happened. And apparently a bunch of people started calling the base because he does a couple passes around and he's flying real low. 
And I guess other pilots called and they're like, did some pilot get bad news? And he's just trying to make his last flight like one to remember. <laughs> like, they th- like, that's how crazy it is to actual Navy people to buzz the tower. Yeah. Well, it would never it's happen. because when you're, when you're inside somebody's airspace, you have multiple different routes on ab- yeah. about like how to get into that airspace. Like what altitude to be flying at when you're going in or what altitude to be flying at when you're going out of the airspace. So there's, there's, there are course rules on how to get in and out. So if somebody is deviating from that, yeah. yes, yeah. everybody who's in the airspace is going to be like, hey, what is going on here? It's an easy court-martial. <laughs> easy court-martial and you're out of the Navy oh, if you do that. So I mean... <laughs> But it, it's a it, cool you movie could, scene. Yeah, it's a great movie scene. Easy. No, no problem. Which is why I'm glad, I'm glad I watched the first one to really, they really drilled home the idea of the hard deck. Because in the second one, I thought the bar was just like a euphemism. I didn't realize it was mm-hmm. like, until like later in the movie, they're like, oh, it's the hard deck. And I was like, no, it's, it's a hard deck, guys. Like, I think they, they almost completely ignore the hard deck in the second movie. They mentioned it like In one, one. of the training yeah. exercises. No, he I mean, has, he I mean, has like the, the folder pilots, ready I mean, to yeah. request to lower the hard deck when he yeah. gets in trouble. Like That yeah. was hilarious to me. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I mean, like, the, the pilots like Navy bureaucracy is so yeah. predictable that he already had that drafted. Yeah, yeah, but they do. They are a little bit less because, like in the first one, it's like ten thousand, and the second one, it's five thousand. Yeah, the pilots are a little bit more like, well, if he says do it, do it. Yeah, kind of thing. It was a. Uh, they were playing fast and loose with it in the second movie. But I'm okay with that. I, yeah, I picture it like as an action movie, so it's everything's not going to be totally accurate, and that's kind of what pulled it away from a sports movie for me. For me, was just starting with this like high tech jet and Ed Harris, like that set it up to be like not a sports movie for me. Yeah, that was more like it's, that was like nostalgia personified. Like when you say it's 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 a dad movie of the '80s, it's totally. I can see the appeal for like people that saw this in their in their teens and their twenties, and now they're like forty and fifty, and they're like, he still got it. Like you yeah. know, maybe I still have something left in the tank too. That's I such a good like, way to put it. That yeah. is so good. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he's looking real Robert Redford these <laughs> days, which is not a a criticism being 59 and looking like and you're just now getting to your robert redford like kind of sagging jowls but still looking pretty hot yeah. there was like one shot with his helmet on i was like his cheeks are kind of puffing out yeah but that's oh, like he, I but he still that. looks like, great that's he's like still, everybody yeah. it's crazy it's like yeah but like at the alamo he uh, gave an intro yeah and that's when you really saw the age like you could tell that it's been a couple of years since they filmed something well, you don't have all so. that you don't have all that vfx goop they put on yeah in post-production to make everyone look so much younger so yeah. calvin would you say because you you think hangman is a pretty beautiful person i mean so he's do you probably think the hangman or tom cruise is more handsome oh yeah glenn glenn powell <laughs> the guy who plays hangman I, I mean has there ever been a more shining <laughs> example of an attractive man <laughs> he walked out there he's like a like, literal <laughs> greek god <laughs> and he's like a douchebag <laughs> yeah. uh so okay then i want to get into hangman more I think uh, he's, set too. Up, he's set up as a... <laughs> no, he, Calvin wants to get... Okay. <laughs> Below the hard deck. <laughs> Within, in, around. <laughs> so he's set up as kind of the new rival character to kind of to take that same role that Iceman yeah, has in the first tension, film. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's like, that's what this character is. The big difference I have with him is not only is he a completely unlikable character and he's... he's uh, He's so like rude and arrogant. I think the big difference is if you take Kazansky in the first film, say you change the perspective, make it about Kazansky, and then he's, I mean, he's a hero. He exemplifies all the greatest things about being like a, a, a great Navy pilot. He's, he's careful, but, but still confident. He cares about the people he's flying with. He'll do anything for them. I mean, he just exemplifies like I think what you would want in your in, Navy like a pilot. real yeah. hero archetype. And... And then if you take that from his perspective and you view Maverick, this is an arrogant, you know, uh, arrogant man who will, will take things into his own hands and risk other people's lives and to accomplish whatever he thinks he can do. women into the bathroom. Yes. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> Which seems like a hangman thing to do. Yes. And so I think that's, Calvin had said it before we started recording. He was like, hangman is actually Maverick. Yeah. If you change the perspective, like that's who he is. But that's like a, along the point of that this is really showing that Maverick has changed. But he hasn't really. It's like he hasn't. Yeah, he, he hasn't. But, he's literally like he Maverick still has was to never be the like same in order saying for to things be like, just to stir up a problem. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was playing outside the rules. You know, he was like playing in the gray area and bending and breaking some rules. But he was never mean. You know what I mean? Like Hangman was just mean. You're you're saying that Hangman is Maverick, but the difference is that Hangman was just mean. Like he's just stirring up trouble. Like Maverick, yeah, sure, was like breaking and bending some rules and playing around in the gray area. 
to try to prove how good of a pilot he was, but he wasn't like mean for no reason. You know what I mean? He but wasn't he leaving, wasn't a dick for is, no reason. Is leaving your wingman for your is that isn't that mean? Like isn't that exactly I mean, that's, what Maverick that's, did in that's, the first movie? That's like, selfish for sure. And yeah. he does it too. Like yeah. I think the difference is is if the movie were to continue to play out with this whole thing, Hangman would never learn that that's not what you do. Maverick learned that that's not what you do. But Hangman did learn at the yeah, end. Yeah, Hangman did learn. Well, Only because just... he was like the alert five and he was the dude in the jet that had to go save them at the end. That doesn't yeah. mean he learned. He was just yeah. the dude in the seat when he got shot off the carrier. Yeah, but then any of them apologized. would have done that. That doesn't mean that they learned how to be a team player. I think the story wants you to believe that. Yeah, I think the story, the story the story wants you to strongly implies sure. I mean, that that's what happens because I I agree like yeah like Hangman is just mean but I think they're still like within the same bounds of the, of the within the bounds of the same archetype like they're cocky they're arrogant they're really good um, and it's just slight different personality quirks yeah. but otherwise they're filling the same role in terms of what type of character that is and I think the problem is what the movie wants you to think is that this is new Iceman. Yeah. But he's really yeah, a new I, Maverick. It's stupid that they made that a thing anyway, because that's ripping. It's copying and pasting from the person who was supposed to be the antagonist in the first movie. They just copied that entire formula and put it into this one. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was I thought that was lazy. They they there didn't need to be an antagonist. Like no. there didn't need to be that at all. Like the story, the, the conflict between Maverick and Rooster was enough conflict between the people. They didn't need to add this third person to stir the pot even more. I, I thought it was a waste for him to be there just to cause drama. It was a waste yeah. of time. That's There's time that you could have had with 15 more minutes of fighter time if they had just not added that because it doesn't add any it doesn't add any value to the story, him being a cocksucker. Like, it just doesn't. Yeah, and I would actually say, I would, I agree with you, but the opposite. I think that we need to get rid of Rooster because... <laughs> because it's I so agree much, with you, but the opposite. That's a weird way I am so yeah. confused about that. So, so the reason is, is like, you know, he learned, in the first movie, uh, Maverick learns from his mistakes. He learns to be a good uh, a good teammate, a good uh, wing uh, wingman, and uh, learns that, you know, he's good, but he's okay with being second. You know, he's made peace with I don't need to be the best. I need to be as good as I can be. That helps and keeps everybody alive. And then when you see uh, Hangman, that's the exact thing that he was when mm -hmm. he was in the first movie. So the whole thing would be like helping him, like Hangman realize, no, this is how you're a Navy pilot. This is how you be a better person. And then, and, uh, and, and like that would have sucked though too, because again, it would have just been a copy and paste of what Maverick was in the first one. And it's yeah. like, it wasn't original that way either. Like, Oh yeah, I, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. Like the whole, the, there didn't need to be this rooster maverick conflict like there, there was no reason for rooster to have to be a navy pilot like mm -hmm. have to be a fighter pilot there was no reason to make that a thing just to like aside from probably them trying to redeem maverick or to like bring a conclusion to his like acceptance of what he's done and to like move on with it you know what i mean but like it didn't need to be a thing there it didn't need to be a thing. You know, nobody was like, yeah. nobody watched the first movie and was like, oh my God, I wonder how Maverick's going to handle Goose's kid when he grows up. Nobody asked that question when they got done mm -hmm. with the first movie. If you, if so it didn't need oh. to, it never needed to be resolved. No, I was just saying, they're like, is Maverick going to get addicted to drugs? Like, that's what I was thinking. I want to see, like, Maverick Requiem for a Dream movie. Like, he is still a fire pilot, <laughs> but he's also, like, addicted to meth. Yeah. Because he has such trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think if you really want to break away from the formula that they are just following from the first movie, make Rooster like a a, a boastmate with like a drinking problem. And he, he, he hangs all of his problems in life, what Maverick did to his dad. Yeah. He's just like turned up on the deck, like trying to fight Maverick after he gets out of the cockpit. And he's just some like, you know, he's he gets in trouble. And he has to go like chip well, paint for the next hour. I or think that's like, that. like, yeah, I think that's the was the weirdest part to me about how he like he never... He was like angry and sullen a little bit, but he was always like so defeated and like timid. He was never like, yeah, he was never fiery, but yeah. neither was Goose, I, I guess. I would love to know how he figured out that Maverick pulled his papers in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, too. I mean, That's... also the fact that the Navy was like, Are you, is this going to be a problem? This seems like it'd be a problem. Are, can it you is handle a problem. It? It's so funny. So like that both the admirals and Maverick are like, yeah, this is going to be a problem. Like everyone <laughs> acknowledges that it's a bad idea. And they're like, we're going through with it anyway. It's so silly. So we've, we've talked about kind of a collection of characters here and uh, emotional moments and characters that we feel like don't belong. 
Tom Cruise had an interview where he said that the emotional core of the film is Maverick's relationship to Rooster. And I don't agree with that because I think this movie is trying to beat you over the head with emotional cores. You have yeah. the relationship with Penny that's introduced. Apparently, it feels like it's been a long time fleeing and they just haven't figured it out. Uh, you Again, you have the relationship with Rooster that kind of gets resolved and figured out in the like the third act of the film. And then what I think is actually more of the emotional core than anything is Maverick's relationship with uh, with Iceman. I think the most emotional yeah. scene in the film comes when they, they meet up. And I am shocked they got Val Kilmer to be in this. I, I thought he was just going to be a picture and like some text mm -hmm. because, I mean, he can't speak. And so I, I, I like how they found a way to work that into the film. Question for you. Did they dub in his voice? Yeah, I didn't, they I, did. Yeah. yeah. They did like it's, a it's robotic recreation. Yeah. I yeah. actually looked it up today. Yeah. It's his son uh, oh, who says the, the lines. And there's yeah. some software, some yeah. voice technology or whatever that they dubbed it over his his. Yeah, his line. It's, those that's why voice boxes too. are like super robotic. They're just like, hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and, that's how know, they really I sound. feel like a huge dick too because I was watching it. And I was like, why the heck does he look like an old woman? Like, what is with this <laughs> scarf? And then I, I, I was like looking it up, like doing some research about it today. I was like, oh my god, I'm so, I am such a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he has throat cancer. I'm so sorry, yeah. Val Kilmer. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, he definitely looks like the salty sea cap, like ad admiral, whatever person. It, I wrote. I didn't yeah, know like what a everyone's... coast, like an East Coast grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just kept work writing like the person in charge and the person more in charge and the person more in charge than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. The person like... in charge with a scarf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean. That scene was hard for me because yeah, I listened to a couple other podcasts and stuff, and a lot of people picked that out as the moment they were that they were crying or you know close to tears, that emotional feeling. But I just thought and that the lines landed well, but they repeat so many lines in this movie from the first one, and like the moment they said you got to let it, let them go, I'm just like really like everything seems so obvious. I mean the other for me part it wasn't of it, very emotional. Yeah, and I mean the other part like you want to talk about like repeated lines of dialogue. There are only five lines of dialogue in this entire movie. Really? Is one of them talk to me, Goose? Talk to me, Goose. Yep, talk to me, Goose. Um, don't oh. give me that look. What is it? Uh, uh, come on, come on, come on. Yep, yep. Okay. Need for Speed. They didn't say the Need for Speed. They didn't in this one. I didn't hear it. I didn't. Oh, I didn't hear it. It was one of the few things they didn't seem to grab from the first movie. It's because it was so hard for Tom Cruise to get it right in the first one. Because like I was watching the movie, I was like, why are they saying it? So it's like I feel the need, the need for speed <laughs> i'm like really you guys you just couldn't quite do it at the same time oh yeah yeah no i get that <laughs> it was like oh, so hard for them to say i wonder that. if they just done so many takes and they're like yeah Fuck it. yeah we'll fix it in post. <laughs> that's what we figured too they're like okay we're just gonna make it dumb guys being dumb guys yeah <laughs> although i am glad i watched top gun because i've heard that saying so many times and now i know now you know where it yeah. came where it came from that's yeah. how i felt watching casablanca i was like oh now i get all these things yeah, yeah. i didn't yeah. know like, yeah it, people say it's such a colloquial like phrases from that film and i'm like i don't know any of this yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. top gun is absolutely in the zeitgeist the same way casablanca is so mm -hmm. uh i wouldn't say that you don't think i still think top uh casablanca has more uh lines from it like more quotable lines mm. i think top gun has some but i don't well, think gun it's has up like there with jaws but it's okay. got like three like famous songs so i mean like do those count does it soundtrack count because i think that's top guns you know i mean it's part of the, the aesthetic but it's not like it's it's the memeable quality of um memeable yeah oh yeah, yeah. Uh, of like uh <laughs> of quotes isn't it pronounced mamable <laughs> speaking Sorry. of some of the soundtrack you know danger zone sang by kenny loggins <laughs> yeah. yeah so you know he only got that job because toto <laughs> pulled out of doing uh vocals for any of the songs in the movie wow, wow. Toto. That's, a, that's crazy to me why would you want toto to do anything <laughs> he sings an africa song that's the only thing they're known for yeah yeah and it it got them big twice yeah, yeah once in the 2020s for some reason <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah uh anyways like my problem with like the emotion in this movie is it just it feels like it's just trying to it's trying to build up to me the fact that Tom Cruise is just trying to prove that he can have real relationships. This felt like a vanity project to yeah, me. It's like not even about jets. It felt like a vanity yeah. project to prove that like I'm Tom Cruise. I, I can I can be friends with people. Well, that's yeah. why like people say it's character driven because it wants to show that he has learned and grown and he's a different person while still being the same person. Yeah, it's just so that it's for that. It's just the car that drives that um, that point is, uh, you know, an F-14 and yeah. it's old and outdated. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a great analogy. I did like that part, though, when they pulled out the old planes and the guy's just like, wait, the wings are like, what is happening? Like, it's why are they oh, attack mode? Like, yeah. That's, that's actually really funny because so um, the helicopter that I fly in when I started flying was like brand new to the Navy. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to do a flight in the older model um, before I was like done with training. And I remember going into it and I was like, what? is this like i had the exact same reaction when he gets in the back of the f-14 and he's like oh my god what is this yeah. and like i had the ex- i had the exact same reaction when i got into the bravo i was like what is all this crap i love it he's like reaching back he's like there's like a million fuses back here you want to help me <laughs> yeah, out? there's like a million there's a million circuit breakers back here man like i don't know what the fuck you want me to do back here that. Like, he's like that was goose's department like, i love that i thought it was great uh-huh. so i want to get to That's the scenes that we're all been waiting for. Let's talk about shirtless volleyball and, <laughs> and people who don't know how to play football, right? Um, oh, it's scramble or whatever. It was so... Yeah, what was it? Dog combat football. Combat Dog football. football. Yeah. When they started, I, actually, I was like, this is all oh, wrong. <laughs> I was like, they don't know how to play football here. Uh, <laughs> what I do want to say, so uh, Tony Scott, the director of Top Gun, <clears throat> talked about that scene and apparently he had this book of like male models that he went through and that's actually kind of how he chose to cast guys. Yeah. Is he wanted to fit this aesthetic of this like book he had found. I'm sure. And he just found it, I'm sure. It yeah. wasn't like, <laughs> <laughs> under his bed already. Yeah, probably under his pillow, even closer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he described shooting that scene, the volleyball scene in Top Gun. He was like, it was softcore porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Everything, the, all of the the, yeah. the lines are dubbed over because it's all slow mo. Oh, yeah. It's so cheesy like, and like. And they're gonna show that, but they're not gonna show Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly's butts. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're not gonna show them having sex, but they will. Yeah, to, do I, some softcore. Yeah, I didn't know Top Gun was PG, which is way. I think they're yeah. just moving away from sex scenes. No, no, this was the '86 one. It oh, the '86 one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was there was nothing really. Yeah, there was. Wrong. I mean, yeah, exactly. But I Which, think uh, I think Top Gun Maverick, its softcore porn scene is an order of magnitude worse than yeah. Top Gun's. I like the <laughs> volleyball scene. Is it's great. Low lit. I like yeah. the football scene better than the volleyball scene because really? the volleyball scene I thought was going to be more important and it happened real quick. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, there's it's, actually a point to the football scene. There's, yeah. no there's point a point to the, to the football scene. scene. Yeah. There's not a point to the volleyball scene. Yeah, they're just like it. Just needs that one guy does like a little like strongman like, pose. John Hamm is constantly getting put in his place by Maverick over and over again, and it's hilarious. Yeah. I think John Hamm was probably the brightest point, uh, the only bright point of this entire movie. Up until he's like, the worst. He represents the worst parts of the Navy. Though. Oh, totally. That's and that's so real. That is exactly no, what I'm that's, talking about. That's real. He, he represents he, the he, worst parts of the Navy. Yeah, the he did bureaucratic, it, he did the, the that bureaucratic, so well. like nonsensical, can't think pa- two inches past your nose parts of the Navy. Totally, and he portrayed it perfectly. Oh no, he he did it very well, but his character is is not something that anybody should be like. Oh my god, that character was awesome. No. Oh, I don't not not that the character was awesome, but the depiction of the character was awesome. Oh yeah, no. It, John Hamm framework of is one of my movie. favorites. I I oh. like I love John Hamm. Yeah. He did a great job being a a dick. I thought this movie was full of unlikable characters. I didn't I didn't care oh, for yeah, anyone. Yeah, it's chock full of them. Like, the only person you're supposed Bob. to care about is Maverick and like Penny. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then, and then like no. Rooster. Those are the only people you're supposed to give a crap about because everybody else sucks. You're supposed to care about those characters, but the only likable one is Bob. Yeah, Bob is the best. <laughs> he's the best character. <laughs> well, he's the comedic relief. So like whenever so Maverick's not cracking though. jokes, Bob's the brunt of every joke or he's the one who's being not who's not being serious you know yeah it's it's his parents in oklahoma that this movie is made (laughs) for totally (laughs) i love that uh i love he's got those glasses bob's mom and dad i hope i hope you're proud yeah we spent 170 million dollars on your son's graduation project (laughs) to give you this two hour and 15 minute like happy fest i I don't know (laughs) i love that he's got those glasses on too um we used to call them we would call them bcgs they're birth control control (laughs) glasses (laughs) (laughs) which which first of all you can't be a pilot if you don't have good vision like you just can't yeah you need and you would never you you would never wear your glasses it's it's like you can have in the helmet yeah it needs to be like correctable to 2020 kind of a thing like yeah it, it you can have glasses you can need glasses or need contacts and still be a pilot you just can't be colorblind. Yeah, colorblindness is not a yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a thing. I thought you. <laughs> I thought you had to have 
really good vision. Yeah, uh, I'd always heard that. You, I mean, you do like every year for part of your flight physical, you have to pass like a color test and a depth perception test and a like like a vision test, like how far away you can see like small things. Like I have to read a really tiny row of letters every yeah. year. That's called the Snellen chart. Snellen. I don't care. I wasn't a fucking nerd, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess there are two things that I w- I still kind of want to talk about is the depiction of uh, the male relationships in the first movie versus the second one. And also act three is divided up into two parts, really the training, you know, the, the actual mission. And then when they both get shot down. Right. Um, I think that's a weird turning point. I wanted to talk about that, but yeah, I wanted to talk about, no one seems to make a big deal about how much homoeroticism there is in Top Gun. Everyone's like, yeah, Top Gun is awesome. And everyone's talking about, you know, you've got, you know, Iceman uh, doing the little bite thing at yeah. Top And, uh, you know, like, oh, I think we're close. I got a hard on. Dude, Calvin, you might be gay. I don't know. Like, I didn't think about any of that at all watching either movie. Like, I don't even why think that. is Not that where your brain goes it. when you because watch these movies? Because you might be gay. True. No, it's, it's so. true. That's the first thing I th- I watched the first 15 minutes of the movie and i was like holy crap these guys all want to get it on like that's all i saw so maybe what? it's just like maybe it's just the female perspective that calvin has a little bit of <laughs> it's just a very film thing like when you film when you film them from the angles that you did their longing eyes everybody's sweaty and shirtless uh we're constantly talking about penises um, but then, I mean, that's just a guy thing. But that, I think the thing is, is like it's implied, like yeah, everyone wants to be Maverick. Everybody wants to have sex with Maverick, including guys, because <laughs> the '80s. And I don't know why, like that. That's just like it's just not mentioned as something. It would feel very progressive, I think, if it were to come out today and like virtue yeah. signaling. And that's what I think is so strange about like how it's just nobody's talking about this when we're talking about Maverick. Yeah, how very very different it is, and how we depict male relationships in this movie. Well, and I think you're if you haven't been in the Navy, <laughs> you wouldn't know that people say gay stuff in the Navy all the time. <laughs> yeah, like constantly, <laughs> like it to be funny or whatever. I mean, so I think it actually captures that kind of quality of <laughs> yeah of, of male camaraderie where sometimes you just say really gay things to be funny. <laughs> but this movie I, captured I it really didn't well. Notice any of that oh in either movie? Like I don't. I'm so it's very homoerotic. Like well, very yeah. homoerotic. Yeah, I didn't notice it so much in this one. But no, in, not the, in the original. The gayest for sure. thing that happens is them in the showers just standing around in their towels, but Which, nobody's trying to. I think that's the nobody's least, trying to bang. No, that's the least one. It's just like I think some of the ways, and this might be from the '80s too. You know, they got like the bright eyes and like they stare a little bit longer. Everything's like, so everything, saturated. Everything takes longer. Well, but so that's it might for be dramatic the, effect, though, right? I know, but like sometimes it gives it that vibe of oh, we're staring at each other it can take on that like, connotation I think it for yeah. that vibe if you're looking for that vibe i wasn't I looking think that's for what, the vibe i think that's I the vibe it. tony scott was looking that's for. that's exactly what i think like like i'm not joking in that documentary i watched tony scott references this book of male models an awful lot yeah and so i do i do think he was trying to give up and he talks i mean he talks about it in the documentary about it being like being homoerotic and he so did he you definitely did you wanted to bring of, equality did you to that feel that way before or after you watched that documentary i felt it so i rewatched it i rewatched top gun before i watched this documentary I mean, like the, and the very first time you ever watched the first top gun movie did you I was ever like, feel i was like there I was, was a bunch of homoerotic undertones i was like eight so i wasn't thinking about any of that yeah they're um, just like planes but okay, but okay I, so then the first time you watched it as an adult whenever like is that what you were watching it for were you like worried about it were you uh, like trying to be uh, uh observant for those things like is that something that you were paying attention to and looking for when you watched the movie were no. the homoerotic undertones no that's the point is i wasn't looking for them but they were so overt that i couldn't help but see them yeah that's that's that's, what, so that's my thinking is like re-watching it again a couple weeks ago in prep for this i was like wow this movie's so gay yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i do pick that up and i i picked it up i wasn't looking for it and i noticed it but I think I picked that up in a lot of older movies too. I think just sometimes like the way people interact is a little different. And especially when you get super like macho people together, they're all like, Oh, I'm so confident. Like, yeah, it's not really a part of it anymore. Yeah, exactly. There's a new type of male machoism that, that really stays away from towing the line of gayness. Yeah. Cause so, so like in, in a movie, like um, what was it? Shaw and whatever the one with Jason Statham and like the rock, right? There's like plenty of times when they're all sweaty together and stuff like that, but 
is there any homoerotic undertones in that just because i would never watch dudes. that movie so i have no idea <laughs> yeah i would know you know what i mean like i think it has nothing okay, to do with like mind. yeah i don't think it has a lot to do with the the shirtlessness or the sweatiness i think it's just like how they kind of like look at each other and tom cruise really doesn't say a lot in the first movie he just has this like smile this grin and so you can really just yeah there's all apply this anything so if charisma. you have like if you catch even if you catch a whiff of something that like gets in your head i think you pull it out more yeah than and you i would think otherwise i think there's a difference between He's showing got the, male I want camaraderie. You to give it to me grin. Yeah. Oh, this is my one of my notes. I wrote Tom Cruise smiled. I think I finally think he's attractive. And then later in the movie, I wrote Tom Cruise won't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's a difference between male camaraderie and male homoeroticism. And this oftentimes crosses the line from camaraderie over into homoeroticism. Whereas I think in Maverick, they're very much staying in the box of camaraderie and that's the difference in in the depiction between the football game versus the volleyball game yeah well the difference between the two is that in the first one they were all lieutenants they were all the same in the second one he's a captain with 30 years of experience he's their teacher and their mentor and he's not one of them yeah exactly that's not, that's not his role in that group but between the people playing the game once he steps back and he's watching them play the game it's it's clearly about the camaraderie <laughs> they, go and, they go and mess around with the warrant officer which i also have no idea what his purpose is either like <laughs> i think he's from he's the a, first the warrant one. officer he's not a lieutenant or anything either i i have no idea what the warrant officer's purpose is in this whole movie i don't i don't think that every captain gets a warrant officer <laughs> I think, to follow them around i think he was, and do stuff for them maybe he was assigned to maverick to be like try to keep this guy in check like yeah, he's you just a handler him. Yeah. he's like a handler yeah well he doesn't do that at all so i can't imagine <laughs> yeah. that that's a thing because he doesn't make any attempt to even try to do that yeah all that yeah. stuff got cut yeah i wonder i thought i assumed he was in the first one but because his name's like war is it is that warlock or is that someone else because warlock. there's, there's a warlock's Mer a different guy oh gotcha because there's a merlin in the first one i thought merlin was his um his backseater after goose died mm-hmm yeah. No, isn't Merlin? Uh, no, Merlin's the guy that dropped out. He couldn't. He couldn't fly anymore. He he he, he gave up his wings. Oh, that was him. That's Merlin. Oh, was that Merlin? Yeah. I was just trying to remember who. I thought no. Because I thought there was one. Uh, no, 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 no. It was. It wasn't. Cougar. I'll bet you was fourteen hundred dollars. Fourteen hundred dollars. I mean, I'm gonna edit this out. So it's fine. <laughs> Let's see. So I just wonder if he really was in yeah in the first movie. I just assumed he was. His character was, but yeah, it's, it was hard to tell. It seemed like it, right? Yeah. Same thing with Penny. Yeah, Penny was barely in the first one. Yeah, Merlin is Tim Robbins. Which that did you Tim know? Robbins? Did you know it was Tim Robbins? That was Tim Robbins. Yeah. Oh, I no, didn't even I, know I, I, I like Googled Robbins. it just now. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, Merlin's the one who gives up his wings because okay, he can't so fly Who's anymore. the other guy then? Who's the? But wait, like, because no, his backseater is is uh, Sundown, played by oh, Clarence Gilliard okay, Jr. Sundown, because he's got that really rad like Japanese. Like sunset. rising sun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. And with that, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, we're going to make this a two parter. I think we had a lot to talk about. Uh, so thank you, uh, Calvin, my wingman, uh, Carl Sign Jung, for being here. Of course. And Katya, thank you for being on as always. Oh, yeah. And Kiefer, thank you for being here as a guest. Oh, yeah. No problem. All right. And you can find our podcast on any platform like Spotify or Apple Music. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting. <laughs> <laughs>